Well, in a lot of ways, a win for the good guys. But it wasn't without some compromising. Can't always have your cake and eat it, too. So, in some ways, a mixed bag. But, man, oh, man. Um, we may have dodged a bullet. And all of that being said, this isn't over yet. What am I talking about? This overtime issue. And specifically, overtime... Uh, back pay, this retroactive back pay idea, the idea that farmers should have to retroactively go back in time and have to pay back wages that they never owed by law in the first place because of a later court decision. Of course, we've talked about this a lot on the program, uh, but I think deservedly so because this is a big deal for farming in Washington State and the future of our, our, our farms and will they survive this not, not, not the overtime per se. I mean, that is a question that's going to be a difficulty. It's going to make it things harder to do like we've talked about, but this idea of back pay that would have killed so many farms immediately so many jobs gone away so much food production leaving the state well we've cleared one hurdle with a piece of legislation down in olympia this is something we've been talking a lot about again uh, that would say no this idea of making people pay penalties even though they followed the law isn't right that has cleared a key hurdle and that's a big win but it's not over yet. This is not a done deal. I'm Dylan Honkoop. This is The Farming Show. Welcome to the program here on a Saturday morning on KGMI. Joining me right now with the Washington Policy Center, somebody who's been keeping us up to date on this issue and has very much had her ear to the ground, what's happening with the negotiating and the back and forth. My, oh my, it's been a roller coaster with this one. Pam Lewison uh, with the Washington Policy Center. Um, how did we get here? Not that I'm complaining where we ended up because it could have been so much worse, right? It could have been a lot worse. Uh, I think we were fortunate to have some last minute floor strikers, which is a fancy way of saying we had some last minute amendments to the bill. Okay. Um, and they came in uh, with about four hours to the the policy uh, or the bill cutoff um, on Tuesday. Uh, which is a good and bad thing on the good side. It doesn't give people a lot of time to mull them over and, mm -hmm. and try to change them and, and, you know, get worked up about them. Um, uh, on the bad side, uh, it doesn't give people a lot of time to change them and mull them over. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends which side you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's always good and bad when you have last minute things happen. But, uh, in this case, I think it really did work out, um, to our benefit to have those changes occur last minute. Um, and I think we should all um, give a shout out to uh, Senator Vandeweg for, for getting them out um, because he really did try to come in at the last minute and say, Hey, you know, I, I we've put together something here that is a compromise and something that keeps this um, piece of legislation moving forward in a way that um, can still be worked with um, in the house and we that way we still have some time to perfect yeah. it 
Um, and that's that's a good thing. Just to catch people up on where we're at, of course, you know, we've talked a lot about the decision back in November, uh, state Supreme Court saying, uh, yeah, they, they believe it's constitutional uh, to have workers be paid time and a half over 40 in farming, which that farm workers, uh, people in agriculture have been exempt from uh, being required to be paid that time. And some still do anyway, but there, there's been an exemption not requiring by law time and a half over 40 hours a week um, for the past 60 years. And the state uh, Supreme Court declared that unconstitutional in November. Okay. Um, it was on a dairy related decision, but then there was still a question of, well, this probably is going to apply to the rest of ag or is it and that was unclear but everyone was kind of bracing for it applying not just to dairy but to everything still needed to be settled but more disturbingly was um, this issue left unanswered by the state supreme court whether or not uh, workers then could go three years back and say well uh, now that the court has declared this unconstitutional you didn't pay me time and a half over 40 for the last you know three years you need to to pay me all that money that one time lump sum was going to be very expensive expensive uh, for farms. It was going to kill farms. It was going to uh, very much uh, benefit lawyers more than anybody and really ultimately hurt workers by causing businesses to go out and, and uh, go away because they would go bankrupt uh, from a one-time cost like that. So uh, a bill had been introduced. This is the bill that we've been talking about. Uh, in, in Olympia, they introduced a bill pretty straightforward at the outset to say, okay, we're not going to allow this whole retroactive thing. It wasn't speaking into the overtime issue initially, other than this back pay idea that seems so unfair, so unconstitutional. And then we talked about it on the program. I think the last time we had you on, Pam, was how that whole issue kind of flip-flopped, where that bill, which made sense, it was straightforward, it was a really good thing for farming in the state, and some changes earlier on flipped it into something that was terrible, right? So that's what we went into this whole situation with and why we're relieved that it's kind of been pulled back from the terrible place that it had been taken to. Yes. So um, what happened with these last minute amendments is um, all of that um, consideration for any kind of back pay uh, has been removed from, um, from the legislative language as it currently sits. And um, the only exception to that is specifically the Martinez Cuevas versus uh, DeRuiter brothers. And I suspect that that has a lot to do with the fact that it is an active court case right. uh, where there are judges actively deliberating on that case. Um, and I can understand the legislature not wanting to wade into right. the middle of something that's already occurring. Um, well, and that had and been that, an excuse that some gave early on to not move this entire thing forward. It was, wow, these cor these cases are still pending. So it's like, mm -hmm. fine, we'll take the one case that is truly, you know, in the system still, but let's right. deal with the rest of them. Right. And I, and I think that this is, that's a good compromise, you know, yeah. to say, we're not, we're not going to get in the middle of something that is actively being weighed by judges. Um, but all these other cases are essentially, um, in the early sort of paperwork stages. Yeah. So there's no reason not to consider sort of, uh, nipping them in the bud. Right. Um, so that was, I think, a great compromise. And then added into it, um, there's protections um, built in for that are ag-wide. Um, so any, any lawsuit that was filed um, from November 4th 
of 2020 onward, um, any seeking of back pay uh, is becomes sort of nullified, which is a good thing. It's a nice compromise to have yeah. for all of us. We have that protection. And then um, it also, um, there was talk in, in the revised version of the bill to set up sort of a compensation fund for farm workers that, you know, if you had worked on a farm and you felt you were, you needed to have some sort of back pay, um, you could contact L&I and then they would cut you a check for X amount of dollars. Um, that also was removed. Um, so there's, there's no fund, there's no um, potential for back pay um, either from L&I or anywhere else, which is also a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then the last chunk is um, where I think some people are probably going to have a little bit of heartburn still. There is in the bill a phased-in approach to time and a half moving forward. So what that means is that farms would begin paying time and a half for hours worked over 40, or excuse me, over 55 starting in 2022. And then in 2023, it would be hours worked over 48. Mm. And then in 2024, it would be hours worked over 40. And that is an ag-wide application, not just dairies. Which so, at this point, dairy is in the, in the overtime, you know, time and a half over 40 for the long haul, potentially. Um, and like I talked about earlier, it was a, a, an open question, but still kind of assumed that this this time and a half um, requirement was going to come to the rest of ag right. anyway, legally. And I know a lot of farms across the state were already starting to do that because they were anticipating that. So does that really change that game too much? In fact, if a phase-in would be better than it just dropping, um, you know, f- I think- full bore <laughs> right right at the outset for everybody like it could have. Right. And I think a phase-in is um, a- an easier way to do it. Uh, however, you know, from a policy perspective, from a farm perspective, I'd like to see a little bit more wiggle room. Um, right. I think the... Uh, I think, unfortunately, the boat has sailed for dairy. I think they're going to be stuck with the 40-hour limit. But I think if we can get some sort of compromise, maybe 48 hours Mm -hmm. for the rest of ag or a seasonal exemption. Because I think the the trouble we're going to run into, um, particularly with some of our more time-sensitive crops, you look at things like um, zucchinis that grow a quarter of an inch an hour in peak season. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't you can't tell people at two o'clock in the afternoon, "Hey, you've reached your shift limit." Right. Um, we'll see you tomorrow, uh, because by the time they come back the next day, the zucchini that they were about to pick is worthless mm-hmm. in a in a fresh setting. Well, then you should just hire other people. But that's where we've been talking about it from the farm workers' right. perspective as well. Those workers are like, um, we're here already. We want the work. We want to make the money. But if you can't mm-hmm. afford to pay another 50% more for that same amount of work, well, then somebody else has to get it. So basically my check is cut off and then someone else gets to make a small, nobody, nobody gets to really make a decent amount of money on this. It gets spread thin. Right. It gets spread thin. Or if you just can't afford another shift, 
that crop just goes to waste. Yeah. Um, and, and there are some farms that will be in that position. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think if we could figure out some recognition of seasonality, the yep. other, yep. the other one I think of, um, right offhand is hops because it's a crop that once it's ready, you have to go. And yeah. those shifts are, um, you know, from what I'm told, those shifts are like 12 hours a day mm-hmm. because it, you, once you start harvest, you can't stop until harvest is done. So when you look at that kind of work where it has to be constant until the crop is done, uh, you know, if we could have an exemption built in where, say, from, I don't know, June 1st to October 1st, we have an overtime exemption, mm-hmm. perhaps, or something like that, with, you know, the acknowledgement that at that time of year, we have so much work to do that a 40 hour work week is really not a manageable time frame. Um, I think there's, and I think that's an argument that we could make because what happens in those instances is it's really easy to, to dial that back to what does yeah. this do to our economy? And, and in turn, what is the economic impact to farm workers in that instance? It really puts a cap on how much they're able to make in during that time. I know because I have been in that situation. I have been, um, you know, granted just for a short time, not as my livelihood, but done farm work, been a farm worker, just trying to pay my way through college, you know, making, and I, I totally benefited from, you know, seasonal work where I wanted, you know, if I could work 80, 90 hours a week, awesome. I was happy. Um, and I, rather than, you know, my employer saying, okay, well, you've put in your 40, now we're going to bring somebody else in to, you know, get the rest of the work that has to be done regardless this week. I'm like, well, I want those hours. And they're like, well, we can't afford to give you, you know, you know, time plus another 50% more to get that work done. So we're bringing somebody else in. It didn't, that wouldn't benefit me. And I totally get where these folks are coming from. Right. And I think that's, uh, that ultimately is going to be the, the biggest question for the ag community where we're going to have to really advocate for ourselves and say, Hey, you know, this is, um, you know, this is what we're after. This is why, and this is, um, this is what we need to make this feasible and, um, attractive for everyone. I don't, I don't think that, um, I don't think that there's anyone really who's aware of what's going on. Who's going to say, well, I'm just not doing that. (laughs) Yeah. I, mean, I mean, to be honest, yeah. because you start looking at what that means for your livelihood and you make other choices or you figure out how to be more efficient or those sorts of things. It's doable. It's maybe not, um, it's not easy, but it's manageable right. if you're careful. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's just a matter of making choices about how you want to run your farm and how you want to show not just your employees, but everyone else, that your employees truly do matter to you. Mm -hmm. Pam Lewison is with us right now. She's the director of the Initiative on Agriculture at the Washington Policy Center. Um, Pam, just a couple minutes left here. Um, Obviously, we're talking about this bill and what it would do, but it's just past the Senate. It's only, you know, technically less than halfway there uh, to becoming a for sure thing past signed by the governor, what's the road from here? 
So now it has to go through its opposite chamber. So it has to make its way all the way through the house. And then it still has to get a signature on the governor's desk. All And all of that has to be done before signee die, which is on April 25th. So um, there's still a lot of negotiation to be done and there's still a lot of advocating that needs to be done before we get to the end of the road for this thing. Do you anticipate this bill uh, still changing uh, as it goes through the House? Um, I would certainly like to see some refinement. There are a lot of questions, I think, about um, how how we need to quantify certain things um, in the ag community. A lot of farmers um, tend to think of things like housing as part of your wages right. in some instances, or they think about um, giving their employees a side of of beef or, um, you know, perhaps half a pig or something like that as part of your wages. And so if we're trying to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you quantify that as part of your time and a half? Um, you know, it's not something that goes on a W2, but certainly it is beneficial to your employee. Um, and so we, those are all things that are going to have to get taken into account because they are a farm cost and something that would be, considered by an employer as a quote-unquote wage but they don't necessarily show up as a wage when it comes time to pay taxes so um there's certainly a lot of i hope that the bill doesn't change substantially but there needs to be some um refining of what it means to have that relationship between employer and employee and yeah i i that kind of stuff. Um, okay, maybe you make a, a monetary wage, but you also get some basically in-kind benefits, you know, housing, uh, bonuses that aren't monetary. I mean, that's stuff that's been going on in farming since time immemorial, right? Like the, that's just part of the culture. Like you're growing food, so you're, you're sharing food as part of the benefits of helping produce it. Um, but yeah, how, how does that get recognized in a system that's very much geared towards dollars and cents? and even just this idea of 40 hours a week i mean that's very much like a factory industrial concept from the industrial revolution and the the big labor movement but it doesn't jive with natural systems that farming is involved with the weather the climate uh the time of year uh and how you know animals you know they don't run on a 40 hour you know nine to five kind of schedule so there's a lot of these things that are much older and predate so much of these ideals that are trying to be forced on farming that yeah i i agree they need to to figure out better ways to work more of that into this um, rather than just try to put the the like industrial cookie cutter on family farming in this state which doesn't fit as we're seeing here it's 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 been painful already and and i think the idea here would be to minimize the the future pain mm-hmm. i think that you know if we can if we can figure out a way to come to the middle on that i think that would be great yeah. you know yeah. farming is going to continue to evolve and change and certainly as family farmers we need to recognize that and adapt but um i you know, from my perspective as a fourth generation farmer, I think it would be um, it would be shameful for us to lose the heritage of that sharing yeah. and that familial sense of ownership 
of a family farm and yeah. that that sense of shared community. And so I hope that whatever evolution we find ourselves in, that um, that sense of togetherness yep. isn't legislated away from us. And that's sort of what I'm fearful of. Very good points. And, you know, those things still, you know, as we've talked to here about several things still to work on, still a work in progress, but some very good news at the same time that this is moving forward. Uh, but we're going to keep an eye on this. We're going to keep uh, bird dug in this issue right on through uh, until this hopefully becomes law and, and can, can prevent a lot of heartache in the farming community. Pam Lewison with the Washington Policy Center. Thank you for your time this morning. And, and thank you for all the work that you've been doing on this issue. Well, thank you, Dylan. I appreciate it.